0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to our episode of Killer Collab Podcast. My name is Tony Deffin-Flore and Florent, Tony D. As always, I'm joined with Mr. Chris Lato How you doing? What's up, buddy? Doing good? Doing good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're missing our sidekick. Yeah. You folks can't see, but there's a big uh, empty, empty chair, chair here. But, you know, in between us, but, you know. he's uh, He's somewhere in our hearts. <sighs> he's lame. <laughs> That's what he is. He's got kids. Yeah. I don't know if they're sick or what, but I think they're off week? of school. Yeah, really? I think I think
1: yesterday was the last day of school. I don't know why they made them go off Monday, but then they're off the rest of the week. That's stupid.
0: That's weird. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have kids, so I have no idea what school schedules are. Yeah. <laughs> so we got some exciting news yesterday.
1: What's that? Um, so the Tampa Bay Underground Film Festival is happening in two weeks, right? Two weeks, uh, December 1st through the 4th, and uh, my movie Death Blow got nominated for three awards, so it was pretty exciting. Did they actually watch it? Uh, I hope, I guess. (laughs) I mean, they picked out the best performance of the movie, so I'm assuming uh, they saw it. Um, But we actually have a guest today. Our guest. uh, He is the guy that runs the Tampa Bay Underground Film Festival, Reginald Stevens. And welcome to the show. Welcome.
2: Uh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, but runs the festival? I mean, that's kind of maybe slight exaggeration. Really? <laughs> um, I, I am the programming director, which means I deal mostly with programming, but a lot of other things have come under my command by de facto. It's not, <laughs> not that. There, there's actually a couple of executive directors. There used to be three, and they were more or less in charge, but Yes,
1: I do a lot of the grunt work.
2: <laughs> I'm the person that most of the filmmakers interact
1: with by right. far the most. You're the guy that's out hustling and meeting yeah. people and talking about movies and you know trying to build your festival. I mean, it's been how many years now?
2: This is its ninth year.
1: Ninth year. We are
2: shocked as anyone.
1: <laughs> well, it's definitely one of the better ones and bigger ones um, in all of Florida, I think. Um, you guys are probably like How big is your festival compared to the others?
2: Um, I would say we're probably
1: middle size.
2: we are definitely a lot bigger than most of the other underground festivals. I don't really know a whole lot of festivals that actually put underground in their title in Florida. But there's a lot of them I would consider to be underground that don't have a title in there. And most of them are much smaller than us. Um, we, We like to promote ourselves as being the biggest underground film festival in the United States if not the world as far as the total number of movies that are in there because right. most underground film festivals really stick to their name and you know like they end up in somebody's garage or, or back back room of a house or something or, or, or a convention center or, or like a hotel convention yeah. there's nothing wrong with that but uh, yeah, except for audio is. issues but um, <laughs> as far is. as I don't know. we I have like, the like theater uh, yeah, yeah we're, we're actually at a We've actually been at a theater every year. It includes 2020 when we're mostly virtual, but I'll get into that situation later. Um, but every every other year, we've definitely been at a theater, and it is definitely getting harder and harder to accomplish that. Um, we were actually somewhat founded at a theater, so that was, the first year was easy. But after that, it's just been trying to find a place to put a festival that has as, as low of a budget as we do because we, all of our filmmakers are pretty much low budget. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely been a task every single year. This, this year was the worst, yeah, and I, I could, think we can thank the pandemic mostly for that.
1: It is hard. When I ran my festivals, that's why I stopped. I, co- I couldn't find a theater anymore, and I lost the will to find one after <laughs> you know so many no's and having to go through corporate and all that other crap. It's, it's really difficult in this area to find a theater that's independent, yeah. film-friendly, it's a shame. Uh, yeah, we, we we're kind
2: of nice forced community. ourselves into it because uh, except for last year and a couple other years somewhere sprinkled in there, um, we basically started collecting submissions before we even knew that we had a venue. And then suddenly, it's time to make selections and everything. And so at that point, we have to find a venue. Right. <laughs> um, yeah,
1: last so I year think I emailed the- you and like early November and you were like, yeah, I'm not sure yet. And I was like, what?
2: (laughs) Yeah, this last year and this year were complete opposite situations. Ignoring year one, again, we were kind of founded at a, at a theater, but, um, last year we knew where we were going to be before we even started collecting submissions because theaters were in kind of a desperate situation at the time. Even corporate ones were willing to work with us and they got back to us very quickly and they were, uh, was within reasonable rates and whatnot. Uh, this year, uh, I, I Spider-Man uh, Homecoming opened approximately two weeks after T-Buff last year. And at that point, the industry kind of felt like it had turned around. Yeah. And from been. that point forward, it, it was like pulling teeth, trying to get them to talk to us anymore. They, they didn't think that
1: they really needed special events. At
2: least not not most of the major corporate ones.
1: But, uh, but I think they do. Like the, the theaters now... I mean, I go every Friday to see the new movies, and there's nobody in the theater. We just went and saw the menu Friday. Um, I mean, we, I go in the afternoon, so I'm sure it's less than what it's at night. But that movie just came out, and I think there were six people in the whole theater, including me and my son. So well, you know, the, they gotta the, uh,
2: the 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 uh, the industry themselves is
1: keeps saying that they're still
2: in a bad situation. I mean, you have a Black Panther like last week, the previous weekend, yep. and, and suddenly it seems like everything's normal again. And then the next weekend, like, you know, like every big movie, it loses like half of its audience the next weekend. Right. And nothing else comes up to make up for that. Yep, That's yep. what's happening now, and that used to be, not be true. Like when the first Black Panther opened, it had, I think, three other movies that were over $10 million. Right. Yeah. And this, something opened against it the second weekend. And nothing really strong opened this past weekend against it, and there. They, it was basically the only thing that was in the market, and that that's been true pretty much the entire year. It would be like one huge movie, and then they would they would die for like weeks at a time. Yeah. So like
0: once a month. it's better it's
2: better than last year and the year before, which is why I think they felt like they were back as far as like not working with film festivals as much anymore. Right. But uh, it's definitely. They they could definitely use more attendance in my
1: opinion. Yeah, um, it seems like the, the the theaters now, if it's not a big, you know, superhero bubblegum movie, nobody's going. Like it seems like, I mean, when's the last comedy that was on the big screen mm-hmm. that you can think of? I can't think of any comedies that came out. I mean, it's been
2: not a, not, not any that are like explicitly comedies. I, I mean, I there's think the, they're all there's going, stuff
1: going to netflix you know, everybody wants to watch it at home but i feel like you know obviously black panther you want to see it on the big screen with yeah. the sound and everything um so i think people that unless it's one of those kinds of movies where you want it on the big screen with special effects and sound and everything they're not even bothering to go see it um which is a shame i mean
2: it it's a shame. Yeah, it feels like it feels like the industry was trending and somewhat in that direction prior to the pandemic the pandemic like i think really completely turned around people's viewing habits and they they were much i mean we kind of taught people i guess to stay home and watch movies more so than we had in the past and now the audiences are still sticking with that unless it's like something you want to see on IMAX or, or Dolby or Cinema, Cinema or something like that, just big screen. Now,
0: do you think that's because of the pricing, inflation-wise? Or do you think there's people just are just programmed to do that? Because I, I – I, how I much is a movie slogan. ticket called? Now? Yeah, but here's Cost the thing.
1: I, me and my son have the Regal movie pass. It's $20 a month. I can see as many movies as I want over the month. I mean that's a no-brainer for me. Um, you know, I usually go once a week. So even if you go to two movies, it's worth getting. Yeah. two movies a month, it's worth to get worth getting that. Um, and AMC's got one, Regal's got one, I don't know about Cobb or the other ones, but yeah. um, I think that's, I don't know, maybe it is the price. Mm. I, I'm I not
2: really, sure a lot of people really know. Of, I'm, either they don't know about it or they don't feel like they go to the movies enough for enough it to, for to be justified, me. which I don't really understand because you go to a movie once a month and usually those Regal or AMC things pay for themselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there are people that I mean, I know plenty of people and despite the fact that I'm kind of working in the industry that that rarely ever leave their house to go watch a movie. So, I mean, I guess that's possible. Um, I don't know that the the inflation like the inflation that's killing us right now really has a lot to do with it Um, because the theaters are not really raising their prices any more than they Uh, have in the past. I think in general, prior to the pandemic, that was definitely a problem because of. a lot of people remember the $4 ticket prices they were paying in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Suddenly it's like $15, $15 yeah. in the late, late, almost 2020. So um, that, that was one of the reasons why I believe the industry was trending in that direction. Um, but they haven't really jacked up their prices a lot in comparison to other things. Yeah, like yeah. Um, like my rent went up 40% this year yep. after never oh, having yeah. gone up more oh, than probably like probably. Yeah. 5 or 10% in, 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 a, in a single year before. Theaters aren't doing anything like that. <laughs> I mean, they may go up a few pennies here at a time. Uh, they, they, they know that they can't uh, yeah, they do can't that because because I mean, that's that's a very expendable thing. That's not like rent. You got to pay the rent. Right. <laughs> yep. yep. But, but people will out. stop going to the movies if the ticket
1: prices get too high. So they they aren't
2: doing that right. to any to that extent.
1: <laughs> and I think that if they do go up, there you know people will be like, well, I can either spend eighteen dollars and go to this one movie or spend it on a month of Netflix and watch a thousand movies. You know what I mean? Right. Like it, it doesn't make sense for them to go up in price. Um, but it sucks. I mean, I, me and my son, we go every week. I, you know, we enjoy it. Um, I love going to the movies. It's my, my passion, I guess. I mean, I love seeing the new movies at the theater. And, um, you know, obviously I watch stuff at home too, but yeah, I love going to the movies. Like it's fun for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess other people
0: don't. Well, think I'll, I'm thinking because because everyone's got these rent problems, but I can, I the, don't these theaters like rent out these places, these locations, or That's do they what buy I'm them? i
1: Like I I never I don't understand why you know if I want to have a premiere of my little independent
0: movie. No, no, I mean like like these theaters rent out their space. Like like do they pay rent on those places or do they own them? Like, oh, I don't like know. stuff like that because I I know their rent will well, go they up rent, too. Well, You know
1: the one I go to is at the mall. Yeah, at so Central they rent
0: Park Mall, so they. They obviously rent that space. Yeah, but wouldn't those rents go up too? Like, I, I don't see why Probably. they wouldn't be more competitive. And like, I don't know. I, I, that's personally what. But if you rent out the yeah. space where, you know, like for for like premieres and whatnot, like I don't see the negative
1: at all. I don't either. My my problem is is that, you know, you you have a theater that has twenty screens, and yeah, you have a hundred people coming to the theater on a Wednesday. Like I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know how many people would go to the movies on a Wednesday day and night. I don't know. Yeah. But if I want to show a movie and bring 200 people to your theater, why wouldn't you want that? Yeah. You know, spend, you know, charge me two, three hundred bucks. Let me charge my customers to come in and you get all the concessions, yeah. which is what they make their money on anyway. So it just doesn't make sense for them not to want to do that. Yeah, there okay. must be something that they don't like about it for them not to want to do it. I don't understand it.
2: Well, one thing, one issue we ran into this year that I get, we ran into it in the past, even with our regular theater that we had for several years. um, And it caused us one year to actually have to switch the weekend after we'd already set everything up um, is that the distributors have a lot of power. As far as the the auditoriums are concerned, they will uh, sometimes force theaters to keep movies or else they won't give them the next movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even though, let's say, I don't know what, what came out like a two months ago, smile or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been out for a long period of time. Um, and probably is not doing very well on a per show basis, but the, the distributor might tell the, the theaters you have to keep playing smile, even though it's only doing two or three people, because we won't give you the next movie they they right. play hardball in that way um i would say this year it got much worse and maybe because t-buff was trapped between um black panther and avatar the the, the sequels to those movies um black panther in disney is lord obviously and yeah. they basically said you gotta keep this number of shows all the way until avatar opens um Last year, there wasn't really that issue because there was nothing that significant that opened before T Buff. Right. Even though that's three weeks before T Buff, it still seems to have had some effect. Because we were told by one of the theaters outright that that was what was happening, even though they had, uh, I believe that was a 14 plex <laughs> They had 14 auditoriums. And and no, they, like, so their playing their playing business cameras, was
1: not great. So. Like, come on. You know, I know they have a movie that's been playing for six or seven weeks that they could shut that down and put it for us. You know what I mean? Um, uh, it's just weird. Yeah. Freaking corporate.
0: Yeah, that's the <laughs> trouble with corporate. Like I said, they pull hold all the cards, and they're like,
1: yeah, well, we're... like everything, the big guy wins over the little guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, so I know 2020 was a challenge. How was uh, how did you guys evolve in making the T buff of 2020 during the pandemic?
2: That would almost. Require me to go back to probably more of the beginning of T Buff. <laughs> 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 explain how we ended up where we were in 2020. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into that or whatever, but uh, of course,
0: mm-hmm. whatever you want to talk about, <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay, so because
0: this is how all, all, everything evolved into what we, what it is now. So that, that going back to the beginning is uh, something that everyone's got to do, right? <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> um. So see. T-Buff's foundings were at Seminole, uh, which is the suburb of St. Petersburg, very elderly suburb, one of the oldest suburbs in uh, probably the entire country. Um, But it had a little theater that used to be an AMC theater. When I first started working there, uh, I'm actually from – I'm from from Alabama, but I've lived in Tampa for a very long time. Um, I've never lived in Seminole. It was just some – happenstance involving a woman that's a long story that I ended up working at Seminole about over 20 years ago and at the time they were run by AMC Um, and eventually AMC abandoned the theater and it became a little independent uh, theater owned by a couple of guys here and there Um, but at the time that I originally started working there there were several people there working with me who were uh, interested in being in the film industry themselves they are all pretty young so they weren't I mean, you're also, you're in Seminole, so what are you going to do there? <laughs> but, um, like, some of wanted to be actors, and some of wanted composers and filmmakers and whatnot, and eventually, uh, one of them got really serious about it. His name's Stephen McKendry, and he went to film school. He graduated. He started doing commercials and uh, uh, wedding videos, music videos, infomercials, that sort of thing to pay the rent, but, you know, that was not any of our passion to, to do that, obviously. And we stayed friends for years after that. eventually one day he came to me and said, like, you, you wanted to be a writer, which has always been my thing. I, I never really wanted to be a producer or whatever it is. I'm with T-Buff here. Um, but I always wanted to be a writer. And I have a, a gigantic mountain of rejections from uh, both publishers and uh, agencies and uh, studios at that point so i wasn't really seeing that going anywhere he said you want to be a writer i haven't really looked at a bunch of your stuff but maybe we can collaborate on something because i really don't want to keep shooting commercials and whatnot and uh eventually that led to the founding of liberty lane productions uh liberty lane productions was named after the the street that the theater was on because that's where all all of our founding members were either directly they worked there or live there or they were strongly associated with one of us there like uh Kelly, who is my uh, main other partner. She never had anything to do with Seminole, but she was my longtime friend, so she became associated with it, too. Um, and we eventually made several short films. One of them, A Piece of My Heart, uh, played in a ton of festivals around the country. We, it even led to what was almost a, uh, a, a real deal with a, with a major investment group. In fact, I was signing off on final paperwork when it suddenly collapsed. Uh, this was 2008. That's why it suddenly collapsed. Yep. <laughs> Very
0: familiar.
2: Because uh, investors suddenly less, suddenly collapsed themselves and they got quieter and quieter and eventually disappeared. Um, so, because we were trying to, they were going to let us turn that into a feature with several hundred thousand dollars online. It was all, all a beautiful thing. And then it just, October came around and that was the end been. of that. Um, but uh, eventually, this same group uh, got tired of making shorts and the, feature thing wasn't happening as far as like getting somebody else to throw money at us. And we were like, let's kind of do the Chris Lito thing who I hadn't met yet, but, <laughs> and <laughs> and see if we can uh, make a, a feature for a little bit more money that we've been making these shorts for. <laughs> um, and we definitely knew it was going to be a horror film because that I, I'm, my, day job at the time was as a research director at a TV station. So research was the thing that I did in almost every aspect of my life. And I knew that horror films have built-in audiences and are by far the most likely to make money even if it doesn't have anybody famous in it uh, as far as turning a profit. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what we're going to do, even though up to that point we hadn't done any horror. Although that was Steven's favorite genre, so it's kind of surprising in some sense that we hadn't done one up to that point. But it's not something I've written a lot, which was kind of was kind of the problem being the main writer in the group. Yes. If you don't, so I eventually uh, basically wrote a horror movie with the uh, resources that we had at the time, uh, which included a whole bunch of kids because we were actually working with Seminole High School on it. Um, so it's a gonna be a little low budget independent horror film. Um, at the time of basically when I met Chris, it was probably called You Will Love Me because that was its original title, and it changed title several times because of the distributor. Uh, it is most famously known as Guys of Holy Forest. On Netflix, for a while, it was known as American Guys 2, which is odd because it was no sequel. But <laughs>
1: that's that's, that's <laughs> what I saw it
2: as. <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the kind of the way some distributors do things, they, you know, like... There was another American Poltergeist in here who try to like, jump on in its, uh, uh, its success, I suppose. It wasn't, I don't think it was as successful as our movie, so I don't really you know, understand that thing. But anyway, um, as you've already guessed from what I just said, that movie became far more successful than any of us could have imagined it, it being, especially for the amount of money that we put in it. And, and the, I mean, we had one person in the movie who at the time was not in any way famous, but he eventually went on to be in Ant-Man and a couple other prominent films with important parts I like, just a background character. Um, Ant-Man was actually released almost exactly the same time as Poltergeist of War Forest was, is for, although Ant-Man was released in theaters and <laughs> Poltergeist of War Forest was a home video thing. But um, so that, those things were going on almost simultaneously. So anyway. Uh, it eventually made its way into Walmart stores and Amazon like not you put it on Amazon but like the distributor puts it on Amazon mm-hmm. um, so it's more heightened as far as its marketing is concerned and uh, that success because we had a huge huge community behind the film I mean there was like 70 something people involved with it um, and they were all highly enthusiastic promoters of it so it was it was kind of shocking going to Walmart and initially it was there and like a couple of days later it was all gone walmart didn't even know what to make of that, <laughs> <laughs> that it, was, it was pretty shocking because we were told initially we were not getting into Redbox, we were not getting in netflix i mean it could happen they said but it, you'd have to be quite successful and next thing that i know i'm having a conversation with our uh, sales agent about the fact that it was going to be on Redbox box soon um, and that's where things really got out of control <laughs> it uh they they were definitely very uh Intelligent when it came to marketing in ways that I'm not sure I agree with entirely, but uh, I can't argue with the success, the success of it. Of it. Yep. They released on Redbox a Poltergeist of Boy Forest around the same time, because this was 2015, uh, that Poltergeist, the remake, was was being released. Mm-hmm. And people got them highly confused with each <laughs> other. <laughs> Genius. And the next thing I know, that, that very actor who was Ant Man sent me. A, a text saying, "Hey, have you looked at the Redbox top ten lately? We're in it." And I'm like, "How is that possible?" <laughs> and I looked at it, and there we were, like right in the middle of uh, Will Smith movies and Avengers 2 and stuff like that. It's just like, "How is that even remotely possible?" And again, I just explained to you how apparently how it is possible. So, yeah. um And from that point, uh, Netflix took notice of it, and they put it on their thing. And next thing you know. Uh, I mean, it was a pretty both famous and infamous movie. I don't know how much hate mail I got from people who are like, "I paid one dollar at Redbox and thought I was getting this other movie." <laughs> um, so, one dollar. It it did turn a substantial profit, uh, especially relative to what we had going for it yep. <laughs> at, at the beginning. Uh, we thought for sure we were gonna just lose a bunch of money on our credit cards or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I could get into a long conversation as to why. I, Liberty Lane Productions has not really followed up on that. But it did lead to success for some other people. Like Stephen just – and I'm not sure if he's still shooting it now, but he just shot another feature with another uh, production team. Um, And he's pretty – fairly successful in what he does um, in general. And one of – our producer, who had just graduated from college at the time, ended up turning that into a uh, a producer job at one – at the Home Shopping Network, I believe it is, the one one in Delaware Water. Yep. Uh, at the time, so uh, a lot of people went on, took that, took that uh, success that we had and turned it into a bigger career. Uh, me, not so much. Uh, even though I was the primary catalyst behind the whole thing, because it was almost too successful for its own good, and I was having <clears throat> great difficulty coming up with a follow-up concept uh, that I felt like would not fail, because the whole thing just seemed like serendipity. Like it, it, I mean- it didn't. It did not seem like something that we could replicate, and I didn't want the second one to fail. Sometimes so, you catch lightning I, in a bottle, right? Yeah. I could get into maybe later on if we have time to end of the program, because it's mostly about Tiba, but what we're looking at in the near future, because that was a really sad situation where I finally got something together, and then the pandemic hit in a way that, that is actually more disturbing than it is for most other people as far as what, how the pandemic affected them. Um, so I'll tease that for like the end, because I yeah. want to mostly deal with we'll, Teabuff. We'll okay, but <laughs> what, what this has to do with Teabuff, other than the fact that our first uh, our first event was at Seminole, is that uh, it was Guys of Borley Forest, really, that led to us, uh, you know, like doing a tour. It was actually fairly successful as far as the uh, festival tour, especially for a feature. It's really hard to get a feature in festivals, um, especially now that I'm on the other side. I understand why. <laughs> You just have only so much space that you can put out, that you can put movies in. It's much easier to put a 10 minute short into a festival than it is to put a one and a half to two hour movie. I mean, it it is like pulling teeth. And yet, we got into over a dozen festivals, and some in California. One I went to in New York, which is just like, I mean, it wasn't the first festival I went to for a movie in my New York, but those were all shorts. They have a feature playing, I mean, they, they thought in New York that it could play by itself. That's just pretty shocking so you know the movie got a lot of mixed reviews there was definitely some people that other than the fact that they were confused as to what they were renting yes. there, there was definitely a lot of critics that hated it I used to be a critic so I completely understand their point of view on things <laughs> but uh, apparently that uh, several film festivals that had nothing to do with, with attendance in Florida <laughs> thought that our movie was good enough uh, and gave us a couple of awards and nominations here and there so um, but the point is we traveled across the country, both for that and the previous shorts, uh, many film festivals we went to, and eventually it just it was kind of an exciting process to us, and we were thinking, you know, it'd be kind of cool to found our own film festival and take all the best elements from um, those festivals and try to put it into our own. Uh, two of the festivals we played at had a, a mini version of our award, what is now our award ceremony, which they tried to do something that was similar to. In nature to what we do. what we do is we have an a, almost an academy award type one it is a lot of work but we actually show clips of each nominee on the screen and they walk up and accept it and do their speech and stuff but it's more or less the clips because that uh like any any festival whether it's smaller or not but especially the, the smaller festivals um, there are a lot of shows that aren't going to do a whole lot of people yeah. but our our award ceremony is like always completely packed in fact, I, I don't. I'm pretty sure at this point we're going to be overpacked. I don't know how we're going to deal with it this year. Last year was like the one year where we were at a theater large enough with a large enough auditorium, and in a situation in which Omicron was hitting at the time, um, that it caused a lot of attendance issues. That it was the one year where I said anybody can come to the award ceremony. Mm-hmm. Every other year except for the first, the one that Chris was at. Um, because it was our first year, so we weren't that big of a deal anyway. But every other year, I had to seriously limit the amount of people that could be in the war ceremony. Uh, it was almost an invitation only thing. In fact, it pretty much is an invitation only thing. If you're nominated, even then, you may not be able to bring all your people that are nominated. I mean, that's, that's the kind of situation it's gotten to. But it's so exciting for the filmmakers because, you know, like maybe if they had uh, five people that they're showing, suddenly 200 people are watching like the clips. Uh, and going, I ah, I remember the first year, the one that Chris, the Chris was at at Seminole. Um, a filmmaker came down from New York. Uh, he had like 30 people in his a- Friday afternoon show, which is actually pretty impressive by uh, our standards, or almost any film festival standards, to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, but he's from New York. He's used to being in packed houses and stuff. And he was kind of a little disappointed. And then he went to the award ceremony, which I think had about 200 people that year. Which again, that's the first year, and that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Um, and his movie was nominated for a lot of awards, and it was a comedy, so people were laughing a whole lot through the clips that were being shown, and he came up to me after and said, "That was this is worth the trip down there, just for that alone, right. just <laughs> to see people laughing, because it, it was the first time he had shown that movie at a festival, not to just a cast and crew or whatever, and so he was like, it was so, so delightful to see that all the, the comedy bits were hitting and, and the touching parts were making people go it oh, oh, that sort of thing, so that's when I knew we would kind of hit on something, and it's become a monstrosity since then for me because more more movies that are in the festival and more nominations more videos i have to cut together because that is my primary responsibility yep. probably from like thanksgiving onward that is what i'm going to be dealing with in some years i haven't even been able to get them all together and eventually i say sorry this category just has the list a list of the nominees <laughs> uh, I, I just ran out of time because i like last year I was in the booth editing on my machine just as the award ceremony was starting. I mean that's kinda oh wow how bad how bad it is with the amount
1: out of nominees that we have at this point. How many uh, categories how many award categories do you have?
2: I think there are thirty, 30? not including the audience wow. awards, which are obviously we don't show clips right. of that because that can't be decided until uh, the, the festival is over with, until yeah. the very last movie is played. But the the main judge judging the uh, Jury ones; those are there. Are about 30 of them now, so wow. it's, it's definitely getting out of hand. And <laughs> Jay, Jay Frank, the assistant programming director, who's been with us since the start, tells me every year, "You got to cut back on some of these." And then we start working on putting together the, the nominees, and he's like, "Well, we can't cut this. We can't cut that." Right. He's just <laughs> like me. <laughs> you, 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 you want to like honor as many films as possible, especially the different genres, Cause there are a lot of genres like horror except for an actual horror festival, but there are a lot of genres that don't uh, get a lot of respect overall yep. in their festivals. You know. So uh, we try to like, make sure that every genre has its own award and, and so that at least the best of a- each genre will, will get some recognition. You know? right. um, but getting back to the, the original point of this, um, <laughs> so after that festival tour, we are like, maybe we can do one ourselves. It seems like an interesting concept. And at the same time, this particular location—I—I I, I don't know where Chris is. I don't know where you are. Uh, where are you? I live in Seminole. You live in Seminole. Yeah. So you know exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So um, at that time in the Tampa Bay area, I would say that you know a couple major film festivals had become rather—I don't want to say they were anti-local, but they—they they had aspirations to kind of become the Sundance of the South, Road, which yes. that's already Sarasota's thing, it, yes. even at that time. I mean, you can't really top Sarasota as far as, like, celebrities and things like that. Um, and uh, they were rejecting a substantial amount of local films in comparison to previous Florida yes. films in general to be perfectly honest. And I won't get into what the names of these festivals are, but anybody can probably so figure, they figure them out. They were, they were but, but they, they, the they had uh, gone in that direction and we kind of felt like there was a niche out there that needed to, to that we could take over at that point. Yes. Um, so so both the festival tour and that particular situation led us to really founding the festival. And some of us were still working at the, the Seminole Theater at the time. And so it was pretty easy to convince the owner to let us be there. Oh, yeah. um, so uh, but little little did we know at the time that we started it that that progress um process that the theater was going to close three months after our festival by the time of the festival we knew that but when we started getting the submissions and doing everything we had no idea that i mean it was always teetering on the edge because i mean the, the mall was really old um and they were everybody wanted to get rid of the mall but not necessarily the theater but the theater itself was getting old itself so um I guess that was one of the reasons why it was easier for him, to, the owner of the theater at the time, to say, yeah, sure, why not have a festival here? So, um, <laughs> except for the fact that we lost a substantial amount of money the first year because we did not know what we were doing. <laughs> um, uh, it was fairly successful. I mean, like like I just said, the the um, award ceremony that Chris was at, the 200 people were in there, 200 out of 300 seats. I mean, we probably could, if we hadn't promoted it more. We probably could even had more people. So there were enough people there overall to make it seem like it was something that we try to do again. And that Seminole Theater did have uh, like a sister theater that was in South Tampa called Britain. Uh, they were once both part of the same uh, very small company, and eventually they spun off into individual owners. Uh, so that Br- the Britain Theater did not close at the same time as the Seminole did, and uh, the the owner of Seminole. I, I guess he liked me enough after the theater closed to get me in contact with the owner of Britain at the time. And they, were say, they say, we were like, sure, we'll definitely do this. And that's where we were for quite a few years after that. Um, but that situation became somewhat tenuous because in the beginning, this 2015 was the first year they were there, 2014 was the seminal year, 2015 was the first year we were at Britain. Um, the theater was renting out the uh, renting out an auditorium to a church, which was not anything unusual. Uh, there are a lot, there are a lot of theaters that actually do that. Yeah. Um, so on Sundays we had to like work around work around the church. A couple years later, things switched over as it flip flopped completely. The the church had taken over the lease and was renting space basically to the theater at that point. So wow. then we had to start dealing with the church. Things I don't know, they became very, very prickly. <laughs> we 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 had so many issues with that; it wasn't even funny. In fact, on Sundays, we sometimes got to the point of uh, we can't be here at the same time the church is here. Uh, oh, yeah. We definitely could be there in the mornings when the church actually had service, but they were hit pretty much there all the time. Um, not necessarily doing official things on Sunday afternoons when we were there, but they were there all the time. So uh, they were. We haven't compromised our situation, so we eventually uh, had a can that, that Britain owner had a connection with the Bellagio Cinemas owner. Bellagio Cinemas is in, uh, was in Carolwood. Uh, so it was more expensive to be there, so it wasn't something we could do continuous. Plus, it, it was a smaller place as far as the number of uh, seats in the auditoriums. There's no way we could do the award ceremony there easily. Uh, when it was always about 200 people, <laughs> and they only had a 100-seat auditorium. so. But we couldn't do it. We, we weren't there co- continuously at any point. But we were every other year, we would pretty much go there on a Sunday. And then suddenly, it seemed like it was OK to be back to Britain on a Sunday. And then we figured out that particular Sunday, nope. Next year, we're going back to Bellagio on the Sunday. But that was a gigantic pain in the ass, to, yeah. to say the least, because you had to move everything Saturday night, which is when we had our big award ceremony and party and everything, over to Bellagio, which was 15 miles up the road on, on Sunday morning. Uh, so, I mean, it, it was, uh, the Saturday to sunny thing was, I, I would say, probably the worst aspect, uh, regardless of whether we, we went to Bellagio or not, because if we didn't go to Bellagio, then the church may just move everything <laughs> over into a corner or hide it in closets or stuff. And so we had to get it all back out again. So, um, But other than that, I mean, we, we finally figured out what we were doing. So from 2015 to 2019, the festival steadily growed uh, every single year. Uh, Including more and more movies, which was getting out of hand. We got to 250 by 2019. It was just ridiculous. The vast majority of them always, obviously, short films because you can't have much more than uh, 20 to 25 features is about the most you can probably have with our two auditoriums that we have every every year. Uh, but 200 200 and something shorts. That was uh, that was kind of unmanageable somewhere toward the end. But our attendance was just going through the roof. It was it was absurd, um, and we were. We lost a whole bunch of money the first year and by 2019 we had made so much money that we cancelled out the first year so we were back to even um anyway it, it's not a profit situation uh we're not trying to turn a profit by any means uh we're just uh but we're not trying to lose money either because yes. that's not good <laughs> so we're, we're definitely glad to be back to even by that point um and we felt like we were kind of a community asset you know i've gotten rather tired (laughs) of dealing with this every single year uh but also around this time of year i don't have a whole lot to do so yeah it gives me something to do in addition to uh it being kind of that community thing because i would say that the the major theater major festivals that we're talking about they become definitely a little bit more locally oriented since then That like the people that were trying to push them to become sundance of the south most of them left uh their, their boards and we us and the other two festivals actually play a lot of the same movies now, but we play a lot more local movies than they do because that's just, they're still somewhat celebrity oriented. A lot of their films have uh, uh, celebrities in them. Uh, opening night and closing night, definitely, they def- have a lot of celebrity oriented stuff. Very few for our films have uh, celebrities in them. This year, our opening night feature actually does have two well-known celebrities, uh, Eric Roberts and Michael Perry. Um that is just pure luck though I mean, it's still a local film it was and, and and the reason our local our opening night this year is a uh, pasco oriented one because we ended up in pasco county uh, It kind of made sense the thursday night that we were going to be there it's just a week night it's kind of hard to get people there anyway unless you have some highly enthusiastic premiere going on um so we decided to make all of our our opening night films uh pasco oriented um how we got to that point because you're asking me about the pandemic so when the pandemic hit um you know t-buff takes place every december that was the worst part of the pandemic by far in 2020 i mean that was when by thousands of people were dying every day and our board of directors did not feel comfortable having a fully uh in-person festival even though some some festivals were attempting to do that it was Probably not the wisest of decisions because I mean, there are major outbreaks occurring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but they were attempting to do that. Absolutely. But but we, uh, so we vote, the, the board voted to make it basically all virtual, which is what a lot of fest- other festivals were doing, uh, including Sundance. I mean, Sundance was virtual for two years there. Um, but a lot of local filmmakers were like, is there any way? Because I mean, like me, the main reason we come to T Buff is so we can see our movie on the big screen, the virtual right. thing. I mean, we could. Watch it on our own home computer. So, this is the start of the Port Richie story, because Port um, Port Ritchie has a theater there called uh, Port Richie Cinema Six. Uh, it's one of the, at the time it was one of the few multiplexes left that was independently owned. It was not a corporate theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of our uh, T Buff regulars, he regularly held an event there himself. He lived right next to the theater, so he knew all about it. And he mentioned it to me, and I was like, "Ah, I'll see what I can do about that. Because at that point, a combination of the church and the pandemic had killed Britain. Uh, The pandemic itself had completely killed Bellagio off. Uh, There were basically no other independently owned theaters left. And that year, we are definitely not thinking anything about trying to go to a corporate theater because we weren't even trying to have a real festival, uh, in-person festival that year. So I asked the, the Port Ritchie owner if, if she would basically be, uh, well, I, the T-Buff, or uh, more me, not really T-Buff, because it wasn't an official T-Buff thing, but I would be the, like, the distributors for some of the local films. Uh, so basically, I was just giving her the films, and they would like sell them as regular tickets. Hmm. Um, and we weren't marketing it or anything, because the, the board didn't want to be associated with Whatever could happen, as far as an outbreak or something. So I told the filmmakers, "It's all your true responsibility. This is this your individual shows. You got to uh, uh, market and everything." And they did an incredibly good job because I wasn't expecting to get any money out of it. In fact, I thought we might end up having to pay them, uh, pay the theater. Instead, she sent me a check saying that we it did extremely well. Uh, like, I do know that a couple of the shows sold out or essentially sold out, but uh, they were world premieres and really excited. Filmmakers who were able to like get their people out there, so that kind of taught us a lesson about the, the local, the marketing from the filmmakers themselves. Even though we do a lot of marketing like this, like what I'm doing right now, I mean, nothing is stronger mm-hmm. than the filmmakers who can whip their people right. into showing up more than anything else. So, um, it, the one cool thing about the virtual one, though, uh, the virtual aspect of it, we did like the award ceremony virtually. So uh, most years, it's rare that like, a, especially in acting person usually we usually only have like one acting person maybe in person the filmmaker for the movie might be there and accept for, on their behalf but most years is rare, rare that we had a lot of acting uh, people because they usually on movies that were outside of the market um that year every single acting person accepted because it was virtual we were all yeah. own, sitting there on their computer so um we had a lot of banter like the q a's every single movie had A, Q&A, including ones that were from japan and australia and stuff like that Oh, yeah. it, it, that was, like, what we thought was by far the coolest thing about virtual. So the next year, uh, we eventually did get back into, like I said, there were desperate, basically, theaters. And uh, we were able to get into one of the corporate theaters for the first time ever. It was almost affordable. <laughs> it was close enough that we decided it was worth, worth the risk, and it got us back into Tampa. Um, but we decided to keep some of the virtual aspect to it. Because one thing, Omicron hit basically a week before the festival. Uh, that's what really convinced me that we should probably go ahead and try to do at least the ceremony itself. We weren't to do Q and A's. That was way too much trouble. Q and A's for in, individual movies, but as far as the award ceremony, it, it became obvious to me once I knew who the winners were that like maybe ten of the thirty were going to be there. Yeah. And usually we have like twenty five or so of the thirty that that are there. Um, and a lot of it was. Pandemic-related inflation problems and also – and Omicron itself, uh, we had several cancellations at the last second that were going to be winners, and I was like, let's see if we can, like, pipe in through Zoom, like, like we're doing here, uh, into, the, into the auditorium and see how that works out. It 90% worked out. Um, we were definitely able to get the winners in there, uh, shown on the big screen, so the people in the audience could see them on the big screen, and the, the people at home could see our audience, the people that won, that were actually in the real audience. So, I mean, that aspect of it worked. But There was some audio issues where you could not hear yeah. on the big screen people talking. We don't, and yeah. we didn't have enough time to be able to
0: figure that one out. So that was a, well, a lot of it Zoom, because I, I know early on when we started doing these virtual uh, interviews. Yeah. Um, we had a lot of audio Once issues. Wow,
1: our audio was like horrible.
0: Yeah, and we didn't know where, why. I mean, and that's because like so, so many different people that do Zoom have different settings on their right. computers for so it actually just combats whatever settings you have on yours to receive it and it's just sometimes it can go haywire and I and I, I can only imagine how how uh, poorly some of those did come out like scratchy or really loud or really low or. It's just, it's just a battle every week with us. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, so we were, I mean, some of the board members didn't really want to try that again. And once I found out, so obviously, at this point, I have a pretty good idea of who the winners of, of the award are probably going to be. And the vast majority of them are going to be there. This is like, for some reason, it is just pure happenstance. It is probably the most uh, Florida-oriented and local-oriented festival that we've had ever. Um, and it's just happenstance on what the submissions were this year. For some reason, ones outside of Florida were not that great. So the battle of the, uh, the, uh, Python and the gator <laughs> for, for the first time this year seems to have gone to the gator. Um, we've had that, that, uh, image back there. It's, it changes every year. We have different artists do it, but Python battling the alligator is kind of our, uh, our, like our, our metaphor, so to speak, yeah. b- because the, Pythons are invasive and the, uh, the alligators are native. So we have invasive and invasive, invasive films battling it out every year. Uh, most of the years, the invasive ones win because it's hard. We, we don't have any, a lot of celebrity-oriented films. We definitely get a lot of stuff out of New York and Los Angeles. and It's, hard. it's kind of hard to fight that on a local level, especially since we don't have incentives here, so there's not yes. a lot of films being made. That Very are difficult. Truly professional. Uh, so that's... Uh, in past years, the, definitely the, the, the invasive ones were winning, the, the pythons were winning. This year, I don't know what it was, but the submissions from outside of the market were, or outside of Florida in general just weren't, I don't know. I mean, the ones we have in the festival, we love. They're great. But, I mean, it was actually easy to pick which ones we were going to take this year <laughs> as, as opposed to previous years when we were like, there's a lot of fighting going on in the selection committee you can only pick like seven eight maybe nine features that are outside of the market really yeah um, and uh, it was uh, it, usually there's like 30 or 40 that are really good and probably deserve to be a festival and we just have to figure out which ones makes the most sense for us as far as our content and also is you know like do they have a local connection or something like that one year the audience award was won by a film from Japan and everybody's like that's just insane how does that happen <laughs> well the the Producer, who currently lives in fan was actually originally from Seminole. Oh, wow. uh, and his mother still lives here, and she brought out the house, even though it was an entirely Japanese film. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was a, l- a little interesting. So you never know when something like that's going to happen. I kind of had an evening that could have happened that year. Now Some other years, I see some little connections here. I know that one, one out-of-market film we have this year, the, the lead actress lives here, even though it was not shot here, and the filmmaker's not from. So I have a little bit of hope for that one. So sometimes some of those things happen. But uh, this year, definitely more local-oriented stuff, uh, more Florida-oriented stuff, and it's just happenstance. It's not because we we said we want to be more local or, or Florida-oriented. It's just happenstance. So, um, but we still will have to do something a little bit virtually with the ceremony because Fort Ritchie, which is where we ended up after we came to the conclusion, the corporate theaters weren't working out, and that's really all that was left. Um, Even though Port Ritchie, you know, that's like way out of our bounds because we've been in South Tampa for years, but it doesn't seem to be dampening enthusiasm that much. We had a couple of complaints in the beginning, but uh, definitely most of the local filmmakers are showing up and we're definitely getting a lot of people from outside the market. We have our first international one since 2019 coming this year. One filmmaker from South Africa I just had to sign off on his visa and that was pretty shocking to me. (laughs) Uh, But um, so uh, once we talked to Port Ritchie and got back over there, we realized we had one major issue, which was the war ceremony, and that they, they, their largest auditorium is technically 90 seats, probably squeeze in 100 folding chairs and whatnot in there. Uh, and like I said, last year was the lowest, uh, even though we allowed anybody to come, last year was like the lowest attended ceremony ever at 150 people. Um, most years I have to really clamp down and be like, only, you can only bring three people, and you only bring two people or whatever. A uh, hundred is not going to get it. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we're actually having to simulcast the award the, um, ceremony across two auditoriums. Uh, wow. So that requires us to use Zoom because if somebody accepts in one auditorium, it's not just a matter of the videos, that's easy to you do. Just do have videos the guy accept both.
1: It and then run across to the other
2: Yeah, we thought about that. We, we're actually still going to have plenty of logistical problems to begin with. Assuming we can get the uh, audio to work right this time around, but um, yeah, that's what we're gonna have to do. It's two auditoriums, the videos play in both, and we shut down the videos in one auditorium when somebody wins in that auditorium, so they can do the acceptance speech and not have recursion right. occur. Uh, mm. But um, we do have to pay attention to who is going into what auditorium as far as where the awards themselves will be. Right. <laughs> so it is a lot of logistical problems, but. Um, the, the, the Zoom aspect is a little scary. We definitely have to work on that next week when we really get into the deep weeds of trying to put together this festival. I mean, I mean deep weeds right now. I've been sleeping like four hours, average of four hours a night for the last two weeks or so, and it's gonna get worse. Yep. Especially especially next week. I've taken the entire week off of work. I'm gonna be in Port Richie, vast majority of the time testing a lot of stuff, making sure we don't have audio issues and whatnot. So it's a uh, Definitely coming together, but I'm as usual. There are lots of lots of problems popping up, and I'm not getting much sleep. <laughs> well, I'm um, certainly
1: looking forward to it. Absolutely, um, we're excited. Yeah. Our whole team's excited to go. Um, yeah, I, I was telling Tony before the show. I was like, I think the last movie that I put in there was die Di Delta Pie, um, and I, I remember the name of that movie now. So me, Sean, your own movie, me, Sean. <laughs> um, my girlfriend at the time and Bob Glazier were there to represent. And we walk in the theater before the movie that was playing before ours was called L.A. Slasher. And the theater was packed. Like there was no seats. So there was a, a few seats in the very back row. So we went and sat there and watched like probably the last 20 minutes of the movie. And I'm looking at Sean, like, man, we're going to have a lot of people. You know, watching Delta Pi, we were all excited, right? So as soon as LA Slasher finished, every single person in the whole theater left, <laughs> and we were the only four left in the theater. We were just kind of like looking at each other, like, "Oh my god, this is ridiculous!" Like we were so sad. Um, but I don't know, it was cool seeing it on the big screen, anyway.
2: But it was yeah, funny. That, that's year one for you. <laughs> but I, I'll say in general, that's somewhat true
1: because I don't really see a lot of people's. St-
2: Sticking around for the second show or the third show or whatever. Um, it it, People there largely support their own people. I mean, that seems to be kind of, unless you have a celebrity. And that was L.A. Slasher actually had no representation. Yeah, yeah. But but, um, it starred, what's her name? Brooke Hogan, who is from Seminole Mm -hmm. or from the the Treasure. Clearwater. Clearwater. Clearwater area. Um, And she actually regularly came to that theater. When we were working there, when the the founding board members were working there, she and her father and brother regularly came to that theater. Uh, So that really helped out on the marketing aspect. At the last minute, apparently, she wasn't able. Maybe she never really was going to come. I don't know. (laughs) But at the last minute, she wasn't able to attend. But just the fact that there were famous people in there, including one that actually was from the area, I think that helped out that film a lot more than most of our non-represented films would. Because... it's really hard to remember any film that had no representation whatsoever mm-hmm. that did a whole lot of numbers as far as the feature is concerned. Shorts, yeah, that happens all the time. Sure. One, of the, one of the more infamous situ- well, not infamous so famous situations was five years ago, a guy won the uh, uh, audience award for shorts that did not live here, had no strong connections to the neighborhood or, or anything. but he was in the block that was the number one block. He's the number one selling block because there were a lot of local films in there and they right. pumped up the numbers high. And we thought that they were going to ding him because <laughs> he had no, we thought the other films were probably going to ding him, but he, he made probably the best movie that has ever played at our festival. And they, they weren't willing to do that. They all gave him fives. Every, it was like a hundred people in there, and he all gave him fives. And is the five out of five stars out of five stars is how we judge these things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one of the few times ever that somebody non local was able to what movie was ma- that? Do you remember? The manual. That was his name. The manual. It was, no, manual. You know it was a sci, sci- fi movie. It was a uh, it was incredible production design. You it was like Hollywood level, even though he made it for a few thousand dollars, just like all the rest of us have. Very I don't interesting. don't know that we have anything like that this year, but we do have some I probably should say something about the movies that we have this year. The the opening I filmed, the uh, beast that um, the Beast Comes at Midnight was uh, produced by Scott Sullivan, who's one of our T-Buff regulars, and Christopher Jackson's the director. Um, that was the one that has Re- Eric Roberts in it. Um, it's a werewolf movie. Uh, you can go to tbuff.org, by the way, to find out all, all of these movies.
0: Link uh, in the description.
2: Yeah. Um, and uh, <coughs> the uh, there's several other, like I said, that was a Pasco County-oriented night, so there's several others. It's actually an entire horror night. Uh, I don't know why, but like so 90% of the Pasco horror. movies that we had, they were horror movies. <laughs> well, they're so also we, the,
0: easiest, the, the cheapest to make, too.
2: Right. Yeah, uh, that, that is true. But uh, I mean, the vast majority of our movies aren't horror movies, and they're all cheap, cheap, and easy to make. I guess uh, well, not easy. Not I wouldn't easy, say I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> easy. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the entire night's kind of bas- Pasco, horror oriented. And then uh, we have uh, the usual various different types of movies. We have comedies, we have horror, we have. Uh, a sci fi block. We have uh, so many dramas, I can't even think of all of them anymore. Um, <laughs> one of our bigger uh, dramas is actually a feature from Stephanie Davis uh, called Home for Thanksgiving. A little bit late for that holiday, but that was just where T Buff was, so that's yeah. going to be his festival premiere. Um, and uh, it's a sentimental thing dealing with a mother whose uh, husband just died, and all of her trying to get thanksgiving together yeah for all of our uh children and whatnot um that's on saturday right before the award ceremony and it's nominated for quite a few awards uh beast is also nominated for a lot of awards uh, eric robbins was not one of them unfortunately we were try to get in down here with a, uh, with a nomination i suppose but <laughs> that didn't work out um and they're just throughout the entire day especially saturday we have a lot of our student films like we have entire student blocks and we work with a lot of high schools, uh few colleges. FSU usually
1: has a bunch of films in there. Yeah, FSU and always has really good I remember when I did mine that I would always get FSU films and they were so good. Like the production was such a quality production. The stories were always kinda out there. I had I remember one uh, called Killer Cart. Do you remember yes. that one about the grocery cart? Was
2: that that would I would order? say it was, it was probably in our top five top top, top five or ten of movies awesome. that we've had of all time. It was so oh, good. It was hilarious.
1: It was so funny. Um, But, yeah, I I always remember the ones from FSU. They were always really good. And um, I had a girl, I can't can't remember the name of it. Um, She came down from Tallahassee, and her movie, like, swept everything. Like, it was so good. It swept all the awards. Um, I can't remember the name of the movie, but it was really good. Uh, But, yeah, Tallahassee always puts out really, really good stuff. For some reason maybe they got a really good film program or something
2: yeah. they do. it's one of the top ones in the country probably up there maybe approaching usc level at this point i mean it's uh, anything we get from them we pretty much have to put in a festival not just because we at this point we're kind of loose association with them like we work with their their film uh, department directly but also I mean, this is better than almost everything else from other film schools, even less, much less from uh, just like standard people on the streets mm-hmm. trying to shoot something. I mean, they're <laughs> they're excellent. Uh, so definitely, um, most of our morning most of our morning uh, student films are more high school oriented. Harrison School in Lakeland, they're uh, like on the level of FSU for a high school. Um, they actually won the high school award for like four years running. Oh wow! Um, it is. One guy won twice in a row, but the others were different people. I mean, he does just keep cranking out people that are making stuff that looks like it's on college or even professional level. I mean, it's it's pretty impressive. So their, their instructor, he's, uh, his name is Rick, but I can't remember his last name all of a sudden. It's a damn shame. I meet him every year. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, he's doing a very good job of coaching those kids over there. So it's, a lot of those high school ones are good. Uh, the FSU ones are more spread out because... Um, we usually put them into our genre boxes. They're, they're as good as professional in film, so why wouldn't you put them in their genre box? they are a few of them in that student box, so hmm. yeah. So,
0: so when you talk to these high schools, what kind of equipment do they use? Like, what kind of cameras do they have in high school now that they're using for these students? You know,
2: I unfortunately I'm not usually in. I, I don't do the Q and A's because I'm too busy behind yeah. the scenes. So you probably have to ask Jay that because he's the one who does most of the Q and A's with the, the students. Um, but they are. I mean, you can get a pretty professional camera for cheap, yeah. fairly cheap th- these days. And I know that they have their own. They have them in the the actual uh, uh, departments themselves. Yeah. But but the ones who you, the ones who actually won our awards, especially the, uh, four or five years ago, um, they were seriously committed to the the the, uh, the field at that point. Even though they were still in high school, and they brought their own like high
0: level cameras, oh, well. so you can really tell the quality mm-hmm. of of them. Yeah, I don't know if they were on black magic level or they were getting reds in for their high school programs. Like, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I tend, to,
2: I tend to doubt that there are reds in the high school program. I could be wrong. No, about that. Wrong,
0: but it really depends on the area affluency. How serious they are. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's cool. So, how many? Um, so, when you do a festival, do you do two theaters, um, yeah.
2: two two auditoriums
0: simultaneously, which usually leads to
2: difficult choices, <laughs> unfortunately, but.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you do, um, and you do Thursday, Friday, Saturday is the award ceremony, right?
2: Yes, the award ceremony is on Saturday at night. Again, it's invitation only, so I don't want people like to yes. really show up there out of nowhere because there definitely won't be room for them. At I can <laughs> tell that already from the feedback I've gotten from filmmakers lately. But there are still movies on Sunday, um, and a lot of people are like, well, "Isn't that kind of anticlimactic?" Because they're they're still competing. They were they were, they were comp- competitive for awards. But I think it actually works out better I think for them. It helps to we've had, Sunday. yeah, we've People had several cases clips. where, you like, go, yeah, go. yeah, you go to that war ceremony and you see all those clips of a movie that plays on Sunday, and they go, "Whoa, that looks cool!" And then they show up on Sunday, even though they hadn't planned on showing up for right. that particular yep. movie maybe on that Sunday. So I think that kind of works out to Sunday's advantage. Uh, but it is, I guess, it is somewhat out of that kind of, you showing your movie, and you already know you didn't win an award or something. But uh, hmm. uh, the the audience award every now and then we will award that on Sunday if it's a uh, like like this this year the two closing night movies the cl- closing movies are both features so we will know probably know before those features even finish who will have won the audience award for the shorts we wouldn't know for the features because you, they, you haven't voted yet yeah. so usually we only you don't announce that till Monday but every now and then we're able to announce who won like either the short or the feature depending on what what the closing blocks are. Uh, at the ceremony at the um, festival and we've actually even had a little mini ceremony for the the winter there usually like a seven o'clock at night or something on Sunday but uh, we have after parties on opening night mm, all, where these places are is not entirely settled yet so that's why I announced them because it, <laughs> it pretty much anybody can show up with them because they're public restaurants or bars but uh, we provide free food only for our the people that have that pass though the vip pass yes um which the filmmakers all have but you can also purchase one um i think it's 30 35 this year i don't remember what it is but it, that allows you to be go to any of the after parties attend any of these screenings um but you should probably reserve your seats because again the auditoriums are small so if there's one that's going to sell out you might you, you can go on to Eventive, which is the, the the ticket selling application that we're using this year that we also used last year, and we used it for our virtual festival two years ago. That's how we discovered that it existed. Um, but you can use it to actually reserve seats in auditoriums. And we, Chris's, if Chris was in the 50 seat auditorium that we might end up at, uh, he would be cl- approaching sold out. So that's like one. That's why you would want to reserve your seats. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, it. I'm, but, I'm, but I, know, uh, I think, it's, of, gonna, I think want it's gonna. I think it's gonna. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. So. I, yeah, I think it's going to gonna be in the 100 seat auditorium, so you're probably not close to sold out. Um, uh, we haven't quite figured out where which ones are going to be, but that's why you would you, you would use your VIP has to reserve uh, seats in addition to uh, just you can use it to walk in if they're if
1: there aren't sold out. Um, so you mean I'm going to have more people watch it than Delta Pi?
2: <laughs> that is definitely true. That, so as far as the four. number <laughs> the numbers are already at least triple, <laughs> I believe Delta Pi. So as far as I can remember. Um, so there's an after party on Thursday, uh, ap- right after the opening night. There's only one show, that 7 p.m. show, that has the Beast uh, that comes at midnight among several shorts leading into it. Um, again, I'm not sure where that is, we'll announce that later. Um, Friday, we have movies all day long, so we don't usually have a party because uh, there's, uh, there's not enough staff to be able to manage that situation. We happen to be on the same department, the same property as a couple of really nice uh, restaurants slash bar places. So we're actually trying to do something, and I was going to talk to Chris about that at some point uh, in the near future, as soon as my hospitality board members get back to me on it. So we're going to try, actually try to do something like a little before and after party for the movies that are playing that day that will probably be on that property. Um, uh, again, I, that one we haven't well defined yet, So, but hopefully that that will end up working out. But anyway, you can actually walk to the, the two restaurants we we're thinking about that are on that property. So, hmm. unlike the after party for Thursday, which you definitely have to drive to because it's going to be in Newport, Richie. There's a difference between Port, Richie, and Port, Newport, Richie. So, is like there is. <laughs> so the, the, gonna the after party on Thursday is going to be in Newport, Richie. And so is the one that's going to be after the award ceremony on Saturday. That's also going to be in Newport, Richie. Again, we had a place and they, then they started acting finicky. And so I'm not sure where that stands. Again, that's the hospital.
1: We don't want people to come eat our food.
2: I mean, I, I, I don't really understand the Saturday one, especially because there's going to be a lot. Just the fact that we're probably going to have 200 people at the ceremony, right. there's going to be a lot of people that leave directly from that to go into that right. place. So exactly. It's a, that's a lot of people for. Right. I mean, that may be kind maybe kind of the problem the though. Well, maybe the place wasn't large enough that they thought they could hold us. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Mm, Somebody's supposed to be fixing that problem. So that's, the, that's, that's the least of my problems, because I don't work in the hospitality part of, of the board. I I do this, and I do the videos, and i the programming director, so I had to make the schedule. That's like my biggest thing every year, and getting yelled at for movies not being scheduled where they should be. All the hard stuff. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I get it. And, <laughs> and, 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 and not enough awards for my movie and all kinds of things. Like oh, so I'm a voter. For the for the awards, but I'm one of many voters. Therefore, yeah. I don't have any power to unilaterally you know, say you win this award. So just so people know that.
1: <laughs> was the was the acting awards only features, or were there actors that were nominated for shorts also? There were actors that nominated for shorts. Yeah, because somebody posted yesterday. Yeah, I saw. I think that. it was Sour Grapes, and yeah, uh,
2: that, that was definitely uh, yeah. I had so, to deal with that last night. That I saw it and I was. That, that I would say really that was not the least fun aspect
1: of the job, is getting the
2: complaints out of that. <laughs> but uh, there, there were, I mean, several, several shorts have won the, the acting awards before. But it is less common just because you're, I mean, uh, probably some, some unconscious judging bias. It's there's definitely no rules or anything right. about it. But, I mean, you watch somebody for 90 minutes versus you watch somebody for 10 minutes. The ninety minutes probably sticks in your head a little bit more, but it's definitely we've definitely like two years ago a fourteen year old girl in a fifteen minute short won leading actress, Mm -hmm. and strangely enough she's not the youngest leading actress winner ever. We had a thirteen year old girl in 2015 won, but she was actually in a feature. Mm
1: -hmm. Nice. Well, it's funny because you know my movie I I when I started cutting it together and kind of watching it play out, I messaged Lexi and I'm like if you don't Get a nomination for this performance? Something's wrong. And she was like, "Really?" I was like, "Yeah." I'm like, "You are completely standing out in this movie, and you're just you were great." Like she played the character to the T And then when we got the thing yesterday and she got nominated, she, was, you know, I told her, I said, I "Guess you got nominated for an award, you." And she was all excited, and I think she posted it like twenty times yesterday. <laughs> yeah. um, but she, she, said, was, she was. you know she, her? I think
2: she. I she, think she was mentioned like. By- Three times by the specifically by judges. I mean,
1: she was really good in that movie. Yeah. Um, Do you know her, Lexi Baca? I've never seen her before. She's probably in like 20 movies at TBO. I'm sure. Uh, She she films like every weekend. She's on another project, and uh, it's just incredible. She I think she's got over 100 credits. Um, but uh, she's just one of those people that's really infectious. You know, she's so upbeat and positive, and so nice, and just happy and I'm just, I'm really excited for her. I hope, you know, just getting nominated is, uh, she's so excited about it. And uh, so I thank T Buff for that. And uh, it was pretty cool. So, yeah.
0: Hmm. So, at this time, I'm going to ask you what do you want to plug about T Buff? Tell our audience what you want to say, you know, times, location, all that. Plug away.
2: Again, it's at uh, Port Ritchie Cinema 6, which is on US 19 i uh, not sure exact address. You can easily look that up. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we'll but yeah, it's uh. Or the, uh it's, it starts on Thursday, 12-1. Uh, when is this posted?
0: This will be this be Friday. Friday. Okay, so it'll be
2: the, the Thursday after this is posted. Yeah? It's 12-1. Um, and starts, the red carpet for that day starts at 6 p.m., um, so a, a little red carpet event. Very small lobby. It's gonna be hard to have a red carpet event there, but uh, we, we'll we'll manage. Um, and at 7 p.m. the actual show starts and ends around nine. And after that we go to the after party. Uh, and then next day forward, starting on twelve two, it's movies all day from like 12:30 to you know, whenever Chris's movie ends, <laughs> like, uh, like 11 o'clock in, at night.
1: So 10:15, yep. close to 11, I guess.
2: Yeah. Um, except Saturday when we stop early like eight thirty to have the award ceremony. <laughs> um but it's movies all day that day starting at eleven o'clock until the award ceremony like eight thirty and then it's back to twelve thirty on Sunday all day long. Uh again we have uh every genre uh we have everything we have weepy dramas we we have uh hardcore sci-fi we have what? The craziness that is thrust? Some post-apocalyptic uh, thing about women wanting to destroy all men or something?
0: So it's so <laughs> today's life. Yeah, I watched yeah. a bunch of the yeah. trailers. <laughs> There's a couple of interesting ones
1: that, uh, that look pretty out there. Um, yeah, I saw yeah. one movie's like two hours and 40 minutes long or something crazy. Yeah. I
2: I told Anthony he had had, to reduce that. So it's still listed as that, but he
1: actually did. Oh, he did? Okay. Because I was like, I struggle telling a story that's going to fill an hour. And this guy told a story that lasted two and a half hours. I was like, oh, my God.
2: Hmm. But it's also also the closing feature. Therefore, I could have just let it run as long as he wanted to run because it didn't matter anymore at that point. Where you get into trouble is like if it was like Saturday at 12, Yeah. Then he just the whole day is just all screwed up. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's an interesting guy. He actually has the most movies of anybody in the festival, as far as being an actor, I think, in them. Um, But he he wrote and directed that one, Anthony Caban. Um. But he has five movies in the festival overall. He has, except for Thursday, he he's actually in one every single day. Um. So (laughs) we. we, What it takes, man. Strangely enough, it's not the record. (laughs) Um. twice we've had guys have been to be in eight movies in the festival Jeez. Um, one of them we actually even gave him, him an award that year like the yeah, actor of the year because <laughs> it was such a crazy thing when we realized he he was in eight and then next very next year another same a guy that he co-starred with by the way in one of last year's movies <laughs> um so they both probably been in the festival about the same amount of time as most of anybody right. it's pretty amazing uh and they're both in the festival this year. Hardworking <laughs> so, uh,
0: actors in Florida.
1: So I yeah. Like I said, that's how Lexi is, man. I, I, t- I told her, I said, T-Buff is this weekend. You're not allowed to film that weekend. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. Jesus, it's incredible how many projects she's in. Like every weekend she's filming, filming, filming. And uh, I don't know. I know of three movies. She's, she's in uh, um, Rick's Halloween movie. She's oh yeah. In movie. She's that. in a movie. I think there's people on a raft or something in the middle of the ocean. I don't know. Um, but I know she's in that movie. Um, so birthday she's got to be in a couple more.
2: You talking about birthday party?
1: Um, hang on. Yeah, I think that's what you're talking about because that's the only one I
2: remember where it's not, there are not too many movies there were shot where people were sitting on a raft, but I didn't remember her being in that. But then again, you guys have to understand something. I started watching these movies like in May. <laughs> oh, so, so at some point, uh, I can't go back and watch over them again. So I, things just kind of go out of your head after a while. As oh, far as, yeah. that's, why, that's why I try to like hold off until like the fall so that it's more, things are more fresh in my memory. Right. Especially I'm the programming director, so I'm the one who has to put them in the proper place. And every now and then I'll forget a movie, what was in a movie. It's more specifically, not so much what the movie was about, but like something very controversial. I remember there was one year where I uh, – a very disturbing student film. It was still a student film. Very disturbing as far as what the girl was doing in there. And I completely forgot about that one disturbing thing that she did in there. and mm-hmm. scheduled it in a student block with a bunch of high school oh, films. Shit. and I, I realized that when we were testing the movie. and went, oh, my God. I can't let – I mean, right. we, we work with these high schools. I can't let let them, their parents come in here and go, ah. <laughs> And uh, so I, I, I had to contact her like right then and, then and be like I need to move your movie somewhere else. It can't be in this block. Right. It's just because I had, it, it was like months ago when I previously saw it and was like oh yeah this is a really good movie and blah blah blah. And this is what the plot is about. So but you forget about specific things. Yeah. Right. And and so that's why I try to like watch them. That's why that's why things get so bad toward the the end of this whole thing. Uh, like in our our deadline is usually around October October first. So I usually end up crushing as many movies as I can in September. And from that point onward, things, I, you know, we have to select the movies, you have to make a schedule, start getting all – and this year we had to deal with the, the location as well at, at that point. So from basically September onward, it's just like nonstop hell. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and I do have another job, a real job, <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it's actually related to political. I work at a TV station, so it's deal- we have to deal with the political season. So that was going on at the same time. Oh, my God. Uh, That's never fun. Nope. The the, the odd number of years are my favorite years of dealing with T-Buff. Because the even number of years we have to deal with political at my regular job, and that's just hell. And so I'm simultaneously working both at once. It's just not. I mean, I'm simultaneously always working both at once, but I'm working like twice as many hours at my my station job.
0: Yep.
2: At the same time, I'm dealing with T-Buff.
0: Right. Man of many hats. Man of many
2: hats.
1: So earlier in the show, you left us on a cliffhanger.
2: Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I do get that that question quite often. Like one year at T Buff, we did a uh, how how to make your movie successful like our movie was successful. Um, and that itself was already several years after Poltergeist and Boy Forest was released. And the question immediately comes up why do you do something after that? I mean, um, and again, I, my main problem is almost everything I write is epic. Right. I mean, it, almost everything is a bunch of different locations, bunch of different characters, and it probably expenses out the wazoo. So, um, and I can't think any other way. The Poltergeist of Borley Forest itself is known as being an epic independent horror film because we filmed it in 30 different locations, wow. had 70 something people involved. It took three months. Um, and then do our pickup stuff after that, but it took three months the primary shooting. Um, and there it was actually three different counties uh t-buff has been in three different counties now and we finally made it to the third county which is pasco and one third of the poltergeist of boldly forest was shot in pasco another third was shot in hillsborough and another third was shot in ellis <laughs> so that, that's why that people think of it as being like an epic independent horror movie basically it's like the ring but it was shot on uh uh param- paranormal activities budget i mean th- yeah so Anyway, it took me years to come up with something else that I figured that our that our team could probably do. Uh, in 2019, I came up with it uh, finally, and um, somebody's knocking at my door. <laughs> I have to, I'll check on that in a minute. But um, so many years, uh, in 2019, I finally came up with something that was that seemed like it was a really good idea, you know. And I finally working on it at the same time as T Buff. I actually managed to completely uh, finish a screenplay for the first, a full feature-length screenplay for the first time in, well, since I did that one, like, 10 years earlier. Um, later on, like, in January, I think, maybe it was February, um, we got a bunch of us together from the old team, and we did a read, and everybody liked it and thought it was, I mean, it had a few issues there I was going to work with on some of the other semi-writers that were part of part of the team. Um, but we were actually very much in strong consideration of, uh, greenlighting it and we started getting money together and whatnot. Um, this is again, February, 2020, basically. Right. You know, what happened shortly thereafter. Every, every one of us knows what happened shortly thereafter. (laughs) Um, it really sidetracked the project, but things got much worse in this situation for me specifically than most other people that were sidetracked by the pandemic because um, my mother was one of the very first persons uh, in the pandemic to be infected and and one of the first ones to die. (laughs) And this was in March of 2020. Um, So obviously I wasn't really in like the mood to, to to deal with a a project like this or any project really and the world was shut down at that point too, as well. So, Um, but it even gets even more prickly than that. Um, the main uh, concept of the movie was a mother. Uh, the, the, okay, so the protagonist has a mother, and the whole thing, the whole concept, gets kicks off when her mother, her mother, dies. So, in other words, that was the entire catalyst for everything that happens in the movie. And yeah. The whole movie. Uh, I mean, it's a kind of a horror sci-fi sort of thing, uh, but there's a lot of intimate drama there, yeah. <laughs> uh, especially dealing with the mother's death and the the way that she dies. It in the beginning doesn't seem like it's suspicious, but it turns out to be something unusual, um, and which is what happened with my own mother. <laughs> yeah. So I wrote that like two or three months before my mother died of what was at that point a serious illness. So i really didn't want anything to do with that project for a while yeah. uh so i didn't even i didn't even open it up the uh, open up the screenplay for like a year and a half i didn't it's just like something i figured i was just never going to work on again because it's, uh, it's like too intimately attached to me so um but then last summer like one of the, one there were a couple of movies that were somewhat the inspiration behind I mean, there's a lot of personal stuff too, but a couple of movies that really got me inspired to make, to make, to write that screenplay, and I watched them again, and I was like, suddenly, like my movies probably on this level. And I suddenly got fired up again, and I was able to open it up and read it again. And uh, I want—I won't say the project is back on track, but I'm definitely more enthused about doing something about it. And maybe mm-hmm. I don't know that I really want to dedicate it to my mother's memory because of yeah. <laughs> what happens in the movie okay. is not something I. Yeah. I, I, was, I was actually at the wondering if I was even going to mention to my mother I was making this movie because it's like something something that I don't, I don't think that she would really want to right. yes. uh, uh, um, I don't know her son to be involved with or something right. or something so, of that nature because Potra Go of Holy Forest was an extremely <laughs> um, I don't want to say kid friendly, but we worked with the high school, right So it wasn't like we were going to do anything that was extremely controversial yeah. in a movie. Um, even though it was a horror film but it was a supernatural horror film it's, like I said it was kind of like the, the ring in some sense yeah I um, mean there's nothing controversial in that, that movie whatsoever um, this one is definitely much different there's a lot of much, controversial stuff in there so um, but at the same time I mean the connection to my mother is just so strange that yeah. uh, it would be almost impossible not to dedicate to her to some extent if we were to actually do, go ahead with the project but anyway I, I've been talking to Chris about that, and after this festival is over, yeah, with, I'll probably talk. be talking to him more about that. It's something maybe he could help with. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It's funny, because
1: uh, when, when I saw you at uh, Rick's thing, um, me and Rick were talking, and I was like, when are you going to make a feature? I mean, you make all these shorts. Like When are you going to make, oh, I don't have the money, and just like, boo-hoo, and I was like, you don't need any money. I just started <laughs> picking all my movies up. Like, we made this for $1,200. We made this for $3,000. We made this for $2,600. <laughs> and so... A couple days later, he messaged me on Facebook and he's like, you know, you really got me thinking and I think we should collaborate on something. I'm like, okay. Write a script. It's got to have th- these elements and it's got to be made for less than three grand and we'll do it. He's like, okay. So he's he just sent me s- script pages uh, today and uh, we're planning on shooting in April. So it just happens, you know, and uh, you got to make it happen.
2: So
1: a lot of people in the area are – or they make excuses for not doing things. Well, it's it's like there's no excuse. Just do it. You know, even if it sucks, just do it. Sucking at something is better than not doing anything. Um, you know, because you learn from that and get better from it. And you know, it's hard telling people that because they think everything has to have a hundred thousand dollar budget or a million dollar budget, and that's just not the case.
2: You know, I'll so. say that one other thing because it is very relating to what we're talking about here. That's kind of probably left me not really wanting to deal with it. I mean, the main thing is, I just didn't have the idea uh, to that that made any sense for us to try to be able to shoot. So, I have mean, like 20 screenplays lying around. One of them's like an epic Viking movie that cost $100 million. So I mean, but that is th- those were my, we were my, have my main problem. Thing, we all have yeah. dream Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but the other thing is though, Cheebuff itself, I mean, it just became kind of my own, I don't know, child or, yeah, of sure. those sorts. Um, it, it, I mean, I don't do a lot with it in the spring and summer, but um, by the time I get done with it, I usually just don't want to deal with movies at all for quite a while yeah, afterwards. afterwards. Um, so the, That cycle continues every year. For a few months after T-Buff, I'm like, I don't want to I, I barely even show up to other film festivals, which is, you know, I, I'm, I'm a scout for and also just right. hanging out with T-Buff people and supporting their movies and that, that sort of thing. Um, but it's usually like not until March when, when uh, the first major festival in the area, comes around and I'm like, okay, I'm back into the movie business now. Um, so, T-Buff itself is probably taking up uh, a lot of my energy as far as film sure. is concerned. Oh, yeah. uh,
1: trust me. Remember, I, I used to run two film festivals. <laughs> and it, you're burned out after watching all those movies and putting the schedules together, selecting them. Again, hearing all the crap from other... I had a, I got attacked one year because their movie didn't get nominated. I was just like, Really, like you're yelling at me because your <laughs> film wasn't good enough to be nominated. Like, come yep. on, you know. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is like a constant thing. Get it, <laughs> you know? and you're just burned out. Like, you don't even want to watch movies anymore after the three months, you know, leading up to the to the show. Um, so, yeah, I feel you. I know you're you're, and yours is like way bigger than mine was. So, um, you know, you, I can't even imagine all the pressures you have. After parties and all those other stuff you got to deal with, um, but we all appreciate it in mm-hmm. the area. You know what you do and the effort you guys put put on. Um, I know a lot of people are excited to go see it this year, especially after the last two years of really nothing going on. Um, it's hard. You know, people want to get out and show support for each other's movies, and so. Yeah, fun.
2: yeah. So far this year, it doesn't look like a Omicron surge type thing is going to happen because that definitely had an yeah, effect on us last so. year. I mean, we're Yep. knock on wood so far every, everything seems to be turning
0: in the right direction yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep absolutely well thank you so much Reggie for joining us on Killer Collab Podcast thank you so much thank you for having me Absolutely. Yeah, for coming up. ladies and gentlemen Chris Lato Tony D and Reggie thank you for T-Buff uh, representing T-Buff on our show thank you so much see you next week